Every word of God is pure. And all scripture has been given by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit for our instruction in righteousness. That portion of Sworn is the basis for our meditation this day is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So far, our text. Dear fellow redeemed, in Christ Jesus, the one who is the good shepherd because he gave his life for the sheep, and the one who is good shepherd because he promises to keep hold of his sheep until they have eternal life. In that good shepherd, grace and peace be unto you. This has been an unusual epiphany season. Normally during the epiphany season, we're taking a look at Bible doctrines that reveal things about Jesus. This epiphany season, we've been taking a look at Bible doctrines that reveal how Jesus works with his preachers. A couple weeks ago, we had a chance to see how the shepherd worked with Jeremiah. Last week, it was Isaiah, and this week, it's the Apostle Paul. With Jeremiah, he offered the encouragement, you can go and do this job because I'm going to be with you and because I'll tell you what to say. With Isaiah, he said, you can go and do this job because I'm going to cleanse you from all your sins, and then you'll be ready for that work. Today, with the Apostle Paul, he does a special thing by giving him a thorn in the flesh, as we shall see. You back up to Psalm 139, the opening devotion that we had for service today. What a wonderful prayer this is for the child of God. Here, once again, the closing verses of Psalm 139. Oh, before we get to the closing verses, we should back up and remember how Psalm 139 unfolds. It unfolds with explaining to you attributes of the true God. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He hops on the wings of the sun as it goes across the earth, and he's there wherever you go. He's omnipotent, has all power. That's evident in how he creates life in the womb. He's holy, and with all these different attributes now about the true God, the Christian psalmist comes with these words then to close the psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The Christian calls upon God, who knows all things, who holds holy and hates sin, who has all power in heaven and earth. He calls on that God to say, come and do a heart search. A heart search that's going to reveal more about our heart than we ourselves even know about it. Search me, know my heart, try me, know my anxieties. And then comes the closing prayer. If you see something wrong, they get me corrected and lead me in the way to eternal life. What child of God would not want to pray this prayer? What child of God would not want to say to the God, do whatever it takes to get me to heaven? But are you really ready to say that? Are you really ready to pray that? 
We pray that God's Spirit will bless our study of the Word as we see how Jesus uses physical ailments to help his children. Verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. The abundance of the revelations. The Apostle Paul had been blessed by God. Just earlier in this chapter 12, he has a vision of paradise. That's kind of special. And it came to conversion, the Lord himself came down and talked and did the conversion work on the road to Damascus. That was a special revelation. And of course, the Holy Spirit had been using the Apostle Paul to record books of the Bible, what would become books of the Bible, special revelations, a Bible truth that would last to the end of the world. And then you want to add in the things that the Apostle Paul did, his three-plus missionary journeys, the number of times he had problems, he was near death, all the things that he did for the work of the kingdom, and it was very possible for Paul to get a big head because of the abundance of the revelations. Paul's concerned, lest I should be exalted above measure, lest I should be exalted above measure. He repeats that twice in the verse, a concern that as he had been over-blessed with these things, he might be overconfident in himself. And so God did something to correct that when he gave him a thorn in the flesh. We need to pause for just a moment because the word flesh is used a couple ways in the Bible. Sometimes it's used to describe our body, flesh and blood. That's the way it's being used here, a thorn in the body. But it can also be used, the flesh, in the sense of our own sinful nature. When Paul confessed, behold, I know that me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. So here, you're reminded of the Apostle Paul's sinful nature, not the body part, but the flesh part. We're going to stop for a moment at Philippians. We're at chapter 3. And listen to Paul's flesh shout and boast and brag. If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul says, you want to see someone who worked hard to get to heaven, I'm a really good example. I got the pedigree. I was born with the right bloodline. Uh, I did this, all the things in the law. I did all this stuff, I, and I, I did it with a zeal, and I was really enthusiastic about it. Here's the first rescue mission that Jesus accomplishes for the Apostle Paul. He rescues him from his own sinful flesh. The Savior, who was born without sin and lived without sin and had no sinful flesh, was able to trade places and rescue Paul from that boasting, bragging, look at me, I'm number one in working efforts to get to heaven. Rescued Paul by leveling him and revealing to him that the righteousness of the law is going to get you nowhere, Paul. No matter how much you try, you're going to fall short. You need a better righteousness, which is found only in Jesus Christ and his work on Calvary. Well, let's back up for a moment then to our text in the thorn in the flesh. We're told that this thorn in the flesh buffeted me. This picturesque language used by the Holy Spirit is actually as if someone's just punching you in the face and they just keep on punching again and again. This thorn in the flesh was a repeated problem for the Apostle Paul. 
what was the problem? Well, here is a whole wide range of speculation of what this thorn in the flesh might have been. Epilepsy, leprosy, chronic depression, terrible eyesight, severe headaches, a speech impediment, and there's more. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit could have told us exactly what this particular thorn in the flesh was, but he doesn't tell us. And as you look around at the congregation, as you look around at the list of the shut-ins in our congregation, we got thorns in the flesh all over the place. I think it's left purposely open here because it isn't one particular physical ailment that, uh, this got, that the Savior's thinking of. It's any physical ailment that he can use to help his children. And so here you have uh, the Apostle Paul who was overzealous and overworking in the kingdom of Jesus Christ in a good way, being monitored so he wouldn't get overthinking about himself. And he's got a little reminder, a constant reminder with this thorn in the flesh. You are not the one who's the source of all this. You're not the one who's accomplishing this. I'm the one that's getting this done, so says the Savior. And with this thorn, with this physical ailment, he draws Paul closer to himself by weakening the boastful, sinful flesh. But he also uses it to draw him closer by strengthening the new man. We read verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Good reminder that when you want a blessing from the God, be persistent. Here the Apostle Paul is persistent. Lord, I really need this. I really, really need to get rid of this thorn in the flesh. And he pleads three times to get rid of it. Undoubtedly, he thought, if I didn't have this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, I could do more stuff in the kingdom. If I, didn't have, if I wasn't sidelined by headaches, if that was the case. If I had better eyesight, if that was the case. If I, had, if I didn't have all these bouts with malaria, if that was the case. The Apostle Paul is surely thinking, what could I get accomplished then? So he asked Jesus to take it away three times, and the Savior replies. He said to me, another one of those revelations, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Savior replies, no, you'll get more done in the kingdom with the thorn in the flesh. I know what you're thinking, but I know what's best for you. And this thorn in the flesh is going to be very helpful. And he says to him, my grace is more than enough. It's more than enough for you. And by the way, when you're weak, then I am strong in you. And so you think about how that worked with the Apostle Paul as he was thinking about the problem, or the physical problem, whatever it was, as that thing reoccurred and reoccurred, and as he got hit again and again with this physical ailment, he went back to the cross. He went back to the Savior. He knelt on his knees. He prayed for strength. He prayed for help. He was kept closer to Christ by this thorn in the flesh than otherwise might have been. That concept of grace, my grace is sufficient for you. My love undeserved as it is, that love is all that you need. And <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, we heard earlier, had been rescued from his own sinful flesh when he was an unbeliever, but now listen to the Apostle Paul and his sinful flesh as a believer. 
We're at 2 Corinthians, the chapter before our text, chapter 11. And he talks about his work now. Before you heard him boasting about how, he was a, how great he was as an unbeliever working to be righteous. Now you're going to hear him boasting about his work in the kingdom. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beat with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journal, journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil. In sleeplessness often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often in cold and nakedness. An exhausting list of the things that the Apostle Paul went through for the sake of the kingdom. And he could have been boasting and bragging, but he starts a section out, you know, if I wanted to talk like a fool, if I wanted to speak foolishly, then I'd say something like this. The Apostle Paul had been rescued from his own sinful flesh as a Christian as well. He realized that his hopes of heaven didn't depend on how many missionary journeys he made, how often he was shipwrecked. It didn't depend on how many times he faced death for the sake of Jesus Christ. His hopes of heaven all depended upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Savior, his work, his suffering, and his death. So the Apostle Paul had been rescued from his sinful flesh twice. Once rescued from his sinful flesh as an unbeliever, and then rescued a second time from his sinful flesh as a believer. And so it goes for us today as well. Our hopes don't depend on, hev on heaven, don't depend on how often we've shown up for the church workday. They don't depend upon our efforts as a pastor, teacher, or professor. They don't depend on how many boards and committees we've served on over the years. It doesn't depend on how many times we've talked to other people about the gospel. It doesn't depend on how much we've given to church. It depends on one thing, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ his love, his work, his effort. My grace was more than enough, Jesus said, for the Apostle Paul, and his grace is more than enough for us as well. And the result of this? Well, it turned Paul's world upside down. He comes back to say, Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Most gladly, it's a superlative. I'm very, very happy to boast, not in all that stuff we just heard he did, but to boast in his weaknesses. Because he realized then the power of Christ was resting upon, was abiding in him. Now, not just passing around, but staying with him. We skipped over a phrase earlier that described this thorn in the flesh. The phrase was in the verse, the opening verse, where it's described as a messenger of Satan. The thorn in the flesh was something that came to the Apostle Paul, and the devil was using it. His intent was, I'm going to undercut Paul's confidence in the love of Christ. I'm going to undercut Paul. I'm going to get him to start thinking, if I was, after all I've done for Jesus, is this the way he's going to treat me? To get him to bellyache about his thorn in the flesh. That was the plan of Satan. The plan of Jesus on the other end of this is, I'm going to be very powerful in the Apostle Paul. 
and the power of the Savior overcame the messenger of Satan. And this thorn in the flesh became something that Paul said could say, I'm glad I've got this because I know now that I'm strong. The power of Christ is upon me. We read verse 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in having this thorn in the flesh. I take pleasure in reproaches. Here the reproach has something to do with verbal, insults, ridicule, mocking you. And remember now, this is for Christ's sake. It's not when we do goofy things on our own. This is when we're suffering this kind of verbal stuff because of our Christian faith. In needs, distresses, calamities, in persecutions, when someone's hounding you and chasing you and going after you because of your Christian faith, in distresses, here the thought is life's just crowding in on you and pressing in on you and it's just swamping you. In all of this, Paul says, I take pleasure. I take pleasure in these things because I know that my Savior is at work with me. Turn us around and think how we would be talking today. So happy to see that you need to use a wheelchair. Hey, good to hear that you're going to the hospital next week for surgery. Hey, it was good news last week to hear about your car accident. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But that's what Jesus does for us. I am controlling your life. I've got this under control. And things that come your way, especially in your health issues, I've got it under control. I've got this so this will work for your good. Now, you may not want this, and you, we can always certainly pray, you know, Lord, I don't know if this is the best health issue for me to have, and can you get rid of this health issue for me, and can you help me with my sh shoulder, as he did with Nancy Green? And God answers, hears those prayers, and he answers them one way, but he also answers them another way, which is, no, you need this health issue. This is going to work out for your welfare. I know it, because I'm, I'm at work behind the scenes here. Take a moment to think about <clears throat> our shut-ins. We've been working as elders very hard and actively with some people who are inactive. They could be in church today, but they're not in church today. They're kind of drifting. I don't know what it is that keeps them from God, coming to God's house, but they probably undoubtedly think they have something more important than showing up to hear God's word and to worship the Savior. So they're kind of drifting. We're trying to go reach them. Compare that to some of our shut-ins or the people who are watching us on the video because of illness can't get here. <clears throat> Jesus is using that to draw him closer. So on the one hand, people that could be here are drifting away, and people that can't be here are getting pulled closer to the Savior. That's what that thorn in the flesh stuff can, is how that's used by the Savior for our welfare. Now back up to the beginning. Psalm 139. Lord, come, search my heart. Test me, try me, look carefully, see if there's any evil way there. And if there's an evil way there, lead me in the way everlasting. Do you really want that? Of course we want that. But think for a moment what it means. It might mean when God searches your heart, he realizes, I'm going to have to do this to get them to do this. I'm going to have to get them flat on their back so that they will realize the importance of the Lord's Supper. 
I'm going to have to get them so that they can't get out of bed so that they'll come to me in prayer. I'm going to have to get them so that they'll have time on their hands to hear the Word of God. Lord, do what is necessary for each of us to get us safely home to heaven. Look at all of our hearts carefully. Search them, try them, test them. And if you see a way, the psalmist actually says, a way that leads to pain, if you see a way that's leading them to pain, bring us back to the way everlasting. Thank you, Jesus, good and faithful shepherd, for rescuing us from our own sinful flesh when we were yet unbelievers. Thank you, good and faithful shepherd, for rescuing us from our own sinful flesh as we are believers. Thank you for using those physical ailments in life to draw us closer to you. Thank you for using your wisdom to do what's best for us so that we can rejoice in your care. Knowing that when I am weak, then I am strong in Christ. Amen. And the peace of God, which does indeed pass all understanding, shall keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus.